The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and uh, welcome to Barron's Life Market Watch Edition. My name is Arthi Swaminathan. I am a housing reporter for Market Watch, and I am your host for today. So, you know, on today's episode, we're joined by Matt Vernon, who runs uh, retail lending at Bank of America. Welcome, Matt. Great to be here, Arthi. My pleasure. So, Matt, let's just jump right into it. The 30-year mortgage has gone from the 3%, even the 2% range during the pandemic, to the 7% range in a little bit of a a year. And that's caused a bit of chaos, right? We're seeing buyers, lenders, real estate agents, multiple people get squeezed by high rates. So, as someone who runs retail lending at Bank of America, how would you best describe the housing market right now? That's a great question, and it's a question that we get often, as you would expect from our, our clients, um, folks like yourselves and, and my family and neighbors, <laughs> everyone that's uh, around the, the housing market today is asking that question. And I think more than anything, first and foremost, in some respects, it's a healthy mortgage market, given the fact that there are consumers out there that still want to experience the dream of home ownership. There's inventory out there. Um, rates are, while high, at a rate that would be in a, on a national scale over a historical period, not overwhelmingly high. Now, let's uh, put that all aside for a moment. Inventory. While there is inventory, it's at an extreme low, an extreme low, uh, the such that we haven't seen in years and years and years. Home prices, because of that, have come up aggressively. Rates, while low historically, are high versus the last 10 years, and that has impacted affordability. So this has created a witch's brew in some respects for the housing market that's leading to some of the numbers that you've seen where purchase applications, as an example, are at a 28-year low, and the affordability index is back to where it was in the 80s. So while there's still buyers, there's still sellers, it's a very challenging market for both sellers and buyers to navigate today. Mm-hmm. You touched on a couple of things I want to dig into. So, so do you at Bank of America see rates coming down to the 6% range that some of the people in the industry are saying by the end of 2023? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And it's a question that I've answered differently uh, over the last four months, <laughs> every single month, I have to be honest. And I think it, it just has to do with a lot of the lack of predictability in the market. I think earlier in the year, I was on different media outlets certainly saying that we expected to see rates coming down at the end of the year. I think our current position is that more than anything through the remainder of the year that we'll probably see some decrease in rates at a very limited level, but more so than anything, we're probably going to see this type of rate environment through the remainder of this year. And then subsequently, we could see those rates begin to come down as we enter in the second half of next year. Mm -hmm. Black Knight recently said that housing affordability is at the lowest level since 1984, which is kind of an ominous (laughs) year uh, because of the book. Uh, We know that rates went beyond 10% in the 80s, which explains why 
affordability shrank then. What is the, the sort of biggest reason? Is it inventory? Is it the rates? Which is the bigger reason for shrinking affordability today? Yeah, it has to be the, the other two legs of, the, of the, the stool, if you will. And that's the inventory that you said. Um, and then ultimately the price appreciation versus the 80s versus where we are today. And that, is out, that has outgrown wage growth. So you've got a squeeze there that makes rates have gone higher relatively, inventory is low, prices are up, and wage growth is somewhat slower. So that then leads to that very challenging affordability um, issue that's out there in the marketplace today. What are some of the longer term implications of housing becoming less affordable? I mean, the short term is your budget shrinks. You know, we know we know what happens in the short term, but does it imperil at all the dream of home ownership for younger generations? It, it really, it, interestingly enough, it really doesn't. Um, so we uh, we have something called the Home Buyer Insight Report that we uh, we publish uh, every single year, and we recently polled a whole bunch of our clients and consumers out into the marketplace, and while they recognize the challenges from an economic perspective, their desire for home ownership persists. While over half of the potential buyers that we, we talked to felt that the market was more competitive than last year and as competitive as ever, an equal number, 54%, aimed to accelerate or maintain their buying plans. And that includes a skewing even more aggressively of the younger generations. Gen Z was at 62% and the millennial borrowers at 55%. So I kind of think that means that the dream of home ownership is alive. Is it going to be more challenging? And do you be, need to be better prepared? And do you potentially need to think about how you go about accomplishing that dream? Sure, but it's alive and well based upon our research. It is interesting, though, because baby boomers have the most financial firepower to buy right now. Some real estate agents I speak to talk about people coming with all cash. I'm assuming they're pulling equity on their first home. Uh, what can a young person do to catch up, so to speak, with a baby boomer right now? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, right? I think the baby boomers more than likely are looking at a different inventory of homes than your first-time home buyers. If you think about the price or the price of the home that they're going to be looking at, so they're probably not competing on a relative basis. But where they are competing, the best thing for them to do, the first-time home buyers, is to ensure that they're ready with an aggressive offer, that they've got their credit score, their down payment, their pre-approval, that they are ready to walk into that real estate professional and that home buyer or that lister of a home with a, a offer that they are ready to go and be very competitive in that marketplace for sure. So, Matt, we're going to talk about some practical tips. So for the listeners out there, if you're looking to buy a home, Matt has all the details for you, all the tips, right? <laughs> so the first question is, um, if you are a renter right now, do, should you wait out the market? Do you wait out until rates come down or you do you just jump in and buy? What is a good strategy right now? You know, it, it's an, an age-old adage in the mortgage market and, and the home market that ultimately timing the market is not a good thing. And really, the, the reminder is that evaluating personal factors that in, encourage you to enter the market, whether that's a certain amount of savings that you already have, um, when the home of your dreams that you've been looking at on the listings comes available, 
Um, whether you've already gone through home buyer education courses and understand what you need to do to get ready for that home, or ready, or whether your rent has gone up X percent over the last year and you're tired of paying that, that person and ultimately you want to begin to pay yourself by buying a home and then, in, then acquiring equity in a home, those are the type of things that you need, really need to evaluate. And it's not necessarily about timing because on the other side of timing, if you were to delay, prices on homes could go up, right? And then you could be in a place where you've got to save more and you could be chasing that dream even further down from a timeline perspective. So it's really about understanding what you want to accomplish as a homeowner, when you want to accomplish, how prepared you are, and is the market, the home, the neighborhood, um, the area right for you? And then if you're ready, act, act. And, you know, the, the uh, data kind of backs it up. That's what homeowners told us in our survey as well, is that they're, regardless of this market, that they're going to enter into it. How does one lower their mortgage rate? I've heard from buyers of some interesting tactics. Some are taking adjustable rate mortgages. Some are working with builders to buy their rate down. You know, that gives us a flavor of some of the things that people are doing. But for the general sort of audience out there, how does one lower their mortgage rate in your view? Yeah, I would tell you that right now it's probably more challenging than ever before in my entire career. I think there's some recent survey or recent data from our research group that, that said in looking at all the mortgages at Bank of America, that 95% of those mortgages have a rate at less than 5%. So only 5% have over that, and we're in a market where we're at 7%. Your 15-year your mortgage, that's 7% for a 30-year, 15-year mortgage is in the 6.6s, and even an adjustable rate is in the 6.3s. So it is very challenging to refinance today. But it depends on really what you want to accomplish with a refinance. If you're purely rate-focused, that challenge is massive. If you want to ultimately accelerate the prepayment of your mortgage, you could certainly evaluate a 15-year mortgage, right? And then the payment that you're making, more of that's going to go to the principal, so you're going to pay off more of your mortgage. So that could be a goal to build equity. But if you're purely in the rate environment, really the solutions that you mentions are probably the only that would have a chance in this type of marketplace today. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about buying down mortgage rates? Can you do that permanently and how does one do that? Yeah, you certainly can. So that, that's one of the things you evaluate as you're going to buy a home as your savings, right? And there's, there's a couple of things that you can do. If you put more money down, and ultimately lower the loan-to-value on that mortgage, there could be a price benefit to doing that. So if you are at a 90% LTV versus a 70% LTV, in that, in that scenario, putting 30% down versus 10% down, there is usually a benefit from a price perspective on the rate that you'll be offered and then obviously that rate differential over the life of the loan would return a savings to you and your family over the life of that loan. So that's why it's really smart to think about that when you want to enter into the home market and not just having the ability to buy a home, but having the ability to responsibly own the home 
have enough savings in place to make a decision on the down payment, kind of like what I just talked about, um, and really be smart about entering into it. And, and heck, in this market today, patience is a good thing. If ultimately delaying your purchase decision by four months could allow a potential home buyer to save a little more money that could lower their LTV further on the home that they're targeting and that home becomes available, that could be a win-win for that potential homeowner. So at this point, I just want to remind our audience, if you have any questions, please put it into the question box and we will get to them. I'm seeing a couple of questions already, but we will get to them in a couple of minutes. So Matt, let's talk about down payments. It's a big hurdle for many people because if you want to put 20% down, that's usually how much people put down to avoid paying mortgage insurance. It's a lot of money for a $500,000 home. So what can people do on that front? What kind of programs are out there to lower that cost? Yeah, there are definitely programs out there because this affordability crisis that is a, is a challenge for um, most, if not all, first-time home buyers. Certainly myself, when I bought my first home, it was a challenge. Um, it is alive and well, but but I would say that those of us in the industry that provide mortgages are, are coming up with solutions to help clients pursue that dream, and and we can help participate in that. I'll give you an example. Um, Bank of America has a down payment grant called a called America's Home Grant, where we can offer substantial assistance of up to seventeen thousand five hundred dollars without repayment obligations. So I think our example is one of many. It's a very competitive example, a generous example. But I would encourage all of your listeners who are in this place where they're beginning to think about home ownership to have a conversation with one of their local lenders. I'd be certainly appreciative of talking with Bank of America. But <laughs> talk to your lenders about the grants that are out there where, where we can help you certainly pursue that dream of home ownership. And are these grants uh, specific to a neighborhood or uh, or national? I mean, how does one go about researching it? Is it a sort of a local organization they have to look at? Yeah, it, there, there, it does vary by geography. Uh, it can vary by community. It can vary by city. Mm-hmm. For Bank of America, we actually have a really great tool called the Bank of America Real Estate Center that you can get to right on our website. And you can click on geographies or even go to individual properties. And on that listing, you'll see what grants are actually available for that home and that city and that community. And many others have that, but it's a, certainly a great tool for folks to get really smart about the investigation and research that they're doing on particular homes. Yeah, I think research is really key if you want to lower that cost. Uh, some companies have allowed uh buyers to put down as little as 1% that, that includes Zillow and Rocket. And it's great. It's great in terms of affordability. But some people are worried about this because putting 1% gives you barely an inch of equity on your home and there's concerns about repayment. So, so how do you address these concerns uh, that sort of balance the prudent, prudent, prudent lending versus you know, making it more affordable? Yeah, it's, it's a really, really great question and, and certainly one that a prospective homeowner should think through with advice from a professional, be it a real estate professional, um, be it a mortgage lender, or, or family or friends, 
because that's a that's a reality, right? If you're putting one percent down, that's not a lot from an equity perspective. That said, um, where I get comfortable for our programs, where that might be lower from a down payment perspective, is the fact that we are still fully underwriting and qualifying that borrower to, so that they ultimately can stay in that home. So we're looking at their credit, we're looking at their down payment, we're looking at the liquidity that they offer from a repayment perspective, meaning their income versus the debt. We're doing all of those things to ensure that we're helping them make a great decision that ultimately provides them with the ability to stay in that home for a long period of time, heck, or heck, as long as they, they really want to. One other comment, Arthi, that I would make, though, and, and it's, a, it's a little bit of a fine point on what you're saying, we are, we, we're very much in the business of having conversations with clients on not how much home they can afford, but how much home should they afford. And that's where the question kind of goes a little bit in a different direction because ultimately that giant house that you can just barely get in but you can get in might not be the best one when you start to think about post-purchase, the water heater going up, insurance going up, having to take care of X, Y, and Z. Your car, you need a new, all of these other things. That's why we have conversations on not how much home can you afford, but how much home should you ultimately afford and then have the ability to live the lifestyle that you want once you're in there, accounting for those things that you didn't plan for that all, always occur, especially when you're moving into a new home. Got it. So a couple of questions, Matt, about what to do when you're preparing to buy a home. What is a common mistake or something people overlook as they prepare themselves to take out a mortgage, or even go house hunting? Yeah, I, the, pro probably the biggest mistake that, that we see is folks having an over-reliance over on friends and family saying X, Y, and Z versus doing their research and really understanding their own personal situation. Because commonly, your friends will talk about their situation versus your situation. And then if you imply their situation and yours, every person has a different story, right? So I think that would be one of the things. It's great to talk with family and friends, but don't make the mistake of thinking because they did something that ultimately you can as well. I think the other piece is research. You mentioned early, um, Arthi, research is king. I mean, in today's mortgage market, today's real estate market, there are fantastic real estate professionals that can give advice and guidance out in the marketplace about locations, but there is also a wonderful opportunity to do your research online, the likes of which we didn't have 10 and 15 and 20 years ago. And things like the Bank of America Real Estate Center where you can look at properties and get an idea of what you want and then have that conversation with the real estate professional are, are differentiating versus historical. So that's another area that we highly recommend our clients is that they're doing that research and working with a, a real professional in this industry. So a buyer in the San Francisco Bay Area has different priorities, different strategies versus someone who's buying in a cheaper part of the country or like Cleveland or El Paso. What would you say is a diff well, how would you position that 
buyer in the Bay Area uh, when they're buying a home versus someone who's buying in a more affordable part of the country? Are there any different products you would recommend? Are there any different down payment strategies? Curious for strategies. Yeah, it's an it's an age old question in the industry as well, right? And it's been true for as long as as I've been in the business that your hot markets, your high cost markets, um, the things that you're going to see there that might be different than some of the lower cost markets is their buyers are going to have to evaluate trade offs. Um, as an example, perhaps not living right downtown, or, but having to move into a neighborhood that may require an, a commute and the trade-off there is a lower, um, excuse me, a lower cost of that house. Certainly that's a trade-off that you may have. Or um, in the high-cost market, you may need to make a trade-off on bedrooms or living space or size of lot or some of the things like that where you may not need to do that in the lower cost market. The programs that are available are similar, and even the down payment grants that I mentioned to earlier are taking that into account. So you may see less of a down payment grant in the lower cost market because the necessity is not as great there, and you may see a higher down payment grant in the high cost markets because the necessity is there. So all of those things tend to, to play into that scenario for sure. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go into a couple of listener questions now. Sherry asks, what do you believe will be the impact of housing starts and will that address the housing shortage? So uh, let me rephrase that. Do you think builders are building enough to uh, meet the deficit that we have in terms of housing units? The the easy answer is is no, Um, but they're making progress, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at housing starts over the last six to 12 months, they're increasing but they, they are not increasing at the level that will overcome the demand that resides in the marketplace coming out of the pandemic. It's just too big out there. That's why ultimately for the market to, to get back to a more normalized environment, you need to continue to see home starts growing like they are, and then ultimately we need to see those move-up buyers and those move-down buyers who today are somewhat um, reticent based upon their current mortgage rate versus what they may need to pay in the new mortgage, we need to see those folks begin to get back into the market so you have a fully functioning mortgage market with new inventory as well as move up buyers and move down buyers creating more housing stock out there. It's interesting you said move down buyers because that, that's, that's assuming people are reluctant to downsize because they have such an amazing mortgage rate, right? Uh, for sure. I, I, I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I, I have a, a college-age uh, son uh, and a high school-age son, and, and we were my wife and I were having the conversation um, over the weekend, and, and all that you just said came into it. I mean, I'm in the business. I'm like, ah, I've got a 3% mortgage, and and when do I, I we venture back into that down the road? Now, I'm going to have the benefit of timing because I've probably got a year or two, but all of that is is absolutely a conversation for those folks that are looking to downsize the rate environment and what's available out in the marketplace. The one thing that I do know about rates, they go up, they come down. Um, and rest assured, they're going to come down here in the future. Um, the timing is still a little opaque, as we talked about in the beginning of our conversation, but that opportunity is certainly going to be there. 
It's just a matter of when. And when that happens, folks like myself are certainly going to downsize. Mm-mm-mm. It's interesting. So when you sell your house, uh, there will be many eyes on it. So let's talk about selling for a second. Um, Karen says she'll be putting her house on the market in Chicago or outside of Chicago. Close, I guess. What kind of activity can you can she expect? Is it a seller's market right now? It seems like there are so few homes in the market. She might get, you know, maybe 30 people at her open house, right? So what can what can she expect when she lists her home? Yeah, we're, we're certainly still seeing um, houses move relatively fast. Um, the inventory that's out there is about three months. So we're seeing houses move fast. So what, what I would expect is that you're going to get interest if priced accurately. So I always advise... Um, talking with a real estate professional and ensuring that your house is listed at the right price for the neighborhood that you're in. And if so, I would certainly expect that you're going to find that you're going to get immediate interest. You're going to have a lot of folks coming through. And then ultimately what you want to ensure is that you've got qualified buyers, um, you have a great real estate agent, and I would say perhaps be ready to move. Because um, we have also had some of our clients who have sold their house so quickly that they didn't have a backup plan and they had to go into housing for a short period of time as they entered into the home buying market. So also be prepared for that eventuality that could be that you get an offer on the first day that you accept and then you got to figure out what to do if you haven't thought about it. Mm-mm-mm, got it. Uh, so some of the uh, questions that just came in, you know, what is the, uh, Ram asks, what is the cost of down payment grants to the borrower? I think there's an easy one for you. Is there a cost associated with down payment grants? So in the Bank of America's down payment grant um, called Bank of America's Home Grant, that 17, up to 17500 comes without a, pre, a repayment obligation. So that is money that goes directly to the borrower's financing and there is no repayment it is not added to the loan. Got it. And uh, Timothy asks, will there be distinct geographic or price differences? Uh, I'm, do you, does Bank of America see a big sort of difference in how housing markets perform? I'm assuming they're sort of asking you for uh, a forecast in terms of where prices will drop. I think that is sort of the underlying motivation. So, do you have a sort of any idea on where home prices could drop? Have you published anything on that? Yeah, I, I, we don't, frankly, foresee much from a drop perspective across the country um, outside of, of some markets. And even where we do see a drop, it's, it's marginal, um, not, not anywhere near what we lived through a decade ago. Um, but generally, if you think about it, is it's going to be geography specific to the question. Um, markets that have high employment growth, um, markets that for whatever reason present a tax benefit to folks where, and you start to see migration, um, markets that may be more affordable, we're generally seeing some of those price increases. So if you think about um, cities like Jacksonville and Austin and and other sunbelt type of states, that's where we're seeing price appreciation, and we're seeing more stagnant price growth in some other locales across the country where population growth is moving out of and or the employment opportunity is either low or going the other direction. 
So with a couple of minutes left, Matt, I want to take us back to the top floor, zoom out and have a look at what is going on with the U.S. consumer right now. So there was a recent story uh, circulating that said consumer loan delinquencies are up and credit card delinquencies are considered by some to be like a like a leading indicator, right? A canary in the coal mine. Do you see signs of distress among consumers at Bank of America? Um, we don't. Uh, Bank of America has a long-standing commitment um, to lending um, across all of our different products, but we also have a long-standing commitment around lending responsibly and ensuring that we're lending to those that ultimately can repay us at the end of the day from a, from a credit perspective. Now, that being said, we certainly um, have a lot of clients, and we are seeing delinquencies begin to move up as the as the economic challenges present themselves, the key question, or the key question that should be asked, is it different than what we've seen historically? And it's not. Um, I think we reported delinquencies at 2.6% for the last quarter in our earnings release. You would compare that to pre-pandemic over 3%. So generally, we feel really good about the U.S. consumer, their spending habits, and their repayment habits. So, Matt, I want to end things on a happy note. Uh, tell me one thing you're excited about when it comes to housing or something that recently put a smile on your face, something, something good. Yeah, hey, uh, the, the really cool thing about what I do is the folks that work in our organization, even in the most challenging of, of mortgage markets, are helping families achieve the dream of home ownership. There's a story I had from one of my teammates here that has been working with one of our clients for the last two years around achieving that dream home nurses. This was a 42-year-old family or a 42-year-old family with three kids that were renting and had been renting their entire lives. Two years ago, they met with one of my teammates and began that journey. It started with education um, through our, our home ownership programs. It started with um, local counseling from a nonprofit. And then it started with a plan to build a down payment to ensure that they had great credit. Two years later, three weeks ago, that family moved into their forever home. And that journey started two years ago with one of my employees. So that is the type of story that we get at Bank of America. And that happens a thousand times a month or more. And that's happening at lenders across the entire country. So sometimes we can get a little... I'm worried or challenged about the challenges of the mortgage market, but the dream of home ownership is alive and well, and the cool thing about what my team does on a day-to-day -day basis is help folks achieve that, and then I get to see the stories and celebrate with them, so that's really cool. But it's a great question. Thanks for answering. It is just fabulous. It took two years, and that sort of speaks to, you know, even though you don't think you can ever buy right now, it is something that you can work towards. You know, credit scores, saving money, and you know, all these different things. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that. And on that note, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for being here, Matt. Arthur, it was my pleasure. Thank you. And to the rest of you, we hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. Barron Senior Managing Editor Lauren R. Rublin and healthcare industry reporter Josh Nathan Katzis will discuss recent developments in biotech, pharma, and other segments of the healthcare market and the outlook for healthcare companies and stocks. So thank you for listening, everyone. Stay safe and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road. 
and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.